Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Soccer to the Max. And here with me, as always, Mr. <laughs> Eric Watkins. Well, to say that it's been a week, a little bit of an understatement. <laughs> yeah, it really has been a week that you'd love to forget if you're an American uh, soccer fan, honestly. Uh, of course, I'm your host, Sean Garmer, and this is uh, a soccer podcast that is part of WTM Network. You can always go check us out wherever there are podcasts, watch us on YouTube, on Twitch Live right now. On our Facebook page, w2net.com. Of course, we have Twitter as well. And he's at Squid Sportshead. I'm at WTMSean. And, you know, of course, also with Last Word on Soccer. Can I forget those lovely people as well? Go listen on the Last Word radio uh, network there. We will talk about the uh, the big elephant in the room a little bit later. Uh, just so that we don't have to you know, get into some very heavy stuff from the beginning. Uh, but Eric, I mean, let's let's talk about some headlines here. What is your headline for this week? Well, as we know, the MLS season is starting to wind down. We are, as we're sitting here, just about five weeks away from decision day. And I'm sure as anybody predicted, if you've seen them play or if you've checked the table, the New England Revolution, not only are they the first to clinch their spot, they've got the top seed in the Eastern Conference. They'll have the bye, so they'll be playing it out, maybe some rotations of things, and see who they'll play in the conference semifinals. The inevitable, basically, we knew mm-hmm. from a long time ago this was, this was the case. We've been talking about it almost every week, that it looked like there was nothing stopping New England from having that sewn up, and there you go. It is that way. I mean, congrats to Bruce Arena for playing the uh, the Bill Belichick role very well. Another New England team just doing the business. Uh, you know, obviously New England not, not in the same uh, stratosphere as they used to be, I guess you could say, but at least they had those moments. They did, and Bruce Arena, who knows? This could be the start of them coming right back we'll see yeah we'll just have to see if they actually deliver you know when it counts because the problem with the new england revolution is that they can get to the dance Mm -hmm. they always wind up being you know the one that loses that's can they actually get over that hump finally uh that is the the big thing that we'll have to see because you know you can say all you want obviously supporter shield doesn't mean anything if you don't actually not okay shouldn't say it doesn't mean anything right? Because you still get into the the big competitions and all of that stuff. But you it doesn't guarantee you MLS Cup. No. If you don't, yeah, if you don't win the big trophy here, at least domestically, yeah, you can say, oh, great, you have these record point totals or supporters shield, and then what? And even then, you would want to get in a better position with these bigger competitions to try to set yourself up there as well. Yeah, definitely so. I mean, New England, hats off to them for accomplishing this task. Again, like I said, you get rewarded with a lot of things, and you get a nice, uh, that that best seed you can get in the MLS Cup playoffs, but it's not always the guarantee like it is a lot of times with other sports when you get the number one. Eric, I mean, you had two giants of their respective leagues lose uh, and not lose well. In Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, Real Madrid lost to Espanyol and perhaps what Carlo Angelotti's termed their worst game of the season. And Bayern Munich losing to Eintracht Frankfurt, which obviously Bayern Munich is, you know, going for that 10th title in a row in Bundesliga. I mean, to you, which loss is the worst? I mean, to me, it's Real Madrid, and I'll tell you why. With Bayern, you're not going to have a season without hiccups. I mean, even though we can say all we want that the Bundesliga is a one team, you're not going to have these great invincible scenes from Bayern. 
somebody's going to be nipping at their heels one way or another. So while it's a blip, it's not much. But for Real Madrid, knowing how Barcelona's faltering, knowing you still got Atleti right there, you're trying to piece together something to prove that you are really still one of those three top dogs in Spain and you this, when really La Liga is supposed to be at least for you, right for the taking, you can't lose to Espanyol. Other teams, okay, maybe you can understand, but mm-mm. Yeah, you know, it's. I don't necessarily think it's, I think it's more about Real Madrid lately as well, right? It's not necessarily just, because Bayern goes and does what they're going to do. You're mm-hmm. not going to, it's very difficult to, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, 10-time champ or not, to go undefeated is, yeah. is, is very, very difficult to do. Uh, not that many teams have done it. Um, and you're going to have moments where you lose. I mean, they lost to an 83rd minute goal. That's going to happen sometimes. Um, I check Frankfurt was just uh, better on the day, but Real Madrid, you're losing to Espanol 2 0 at home beyond the 60th minute. Benzema, the only like inspiration there. I mean, obviously, there's part of it that's Angelotti too, right? Because he put some players in wrong positions. And he needs to be at fault for that as well. It's not just always about the players. It's also the manager putting them in the best positions to be able to do that. But you lose to Sheriff, which you could say is (laughs) more embarrassing in the midweek. I mean, that is perhaps the worst loss in Champions League ever. Uh Uh-huh. To a team from... You look at the geographical and political yeah. borders. It's like, wait a minute. This well, is like- I mean, I mean, to be fair, Sheriff beat two terrific teams to get to be able to get to the group stage. Yeah. And, you know, they're they're doing what I mean, they're they're not only do they beat uh, Real Madrid. I mean, they they did what they had to do against um, was it Shakhtar last time. So, I mean, that is that's impressive. So, it, it, it really is. I'm not taking anything away from Sheriff at all, but for the average person, it's like, okay, yeah, find I mean, where they are on a map. Find where their country is on a map. Yeah, not only the country, but it's like, you know, we made the joke, right, when everybody's going to make that joke. You hear the name Sheriff, you're going to think of that Bob Marley song. That's, that's mm-hmm. what you're going to make the joke about. It's like not even make note that they have some good players and that people are underestimating them, and that's what happens when you do that, right? You you're taking them lightly, and Sheriff is, is using that to their advantage and being able to, to pull out big wins so far. But, I mean, really, right? Lately, no-no Villarreal, which Villarreal was a tough uh, team to play. Just ask Manchester United, who we'll talk about a little bit here. And then you have the Sheriff loss, and then this, to Espanol. Not, not great if you're a Madrid fan, um, because they had been scoring goals like, like crazy. You know, it's just... Their defense is not um, what you would expect. I mean, I just don't have any faith. I mean, they're not near, nowhere near as bad as Barcelona. Or but Real Madrid need to shore up that defensive line. They need to figure out a better. I mean, that pairing that they have at center back is not. Uh, when you think about going back in history of Real Madrid defenders, that's that's not what. You, um, yeah, I mean. And maybe they do something as you get closer to the January transfer window. Maybe, as we have mentioned, Ancelotti is more on the hots. Maybe this is a blip, and all of a sudden, the next couple of weeks goes away. But if it's not, it's pretty troubling. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's. you have to worry about him so much. It's just you definitely have to improve on that, improve this, this run of form that you're on. So, yeah, I think for both of us, we agree there. Real Madrid's loss on this week is worse uh, for both of them. So let's move on to a new new segment that since we always end up talking about them anyway, (laughs) and it's the one team that Eric and I have in common, we might as well just dedicate a little bit of a segment to them each week. And this week, it's sort of a continuation of the previous week. They were very, very close to getting the same result twice with against two different teams between Champions League and this week against Everton, Manchester United. Ronaldo goes and scores in, at the death to get a win that Man United did not deserve at all. 
I was so relieved when I saw him and scoring that goal in celebration. I was just like, oh, because I could be fair. That keeper has to be mad at himself because had he not touched that ball, it would have hit the side of the net and not gone in at all. But because he actually tried to make that save, that is actually what knocked it into the goal. It wasn't Ronaldo. It was the poor keeper who was trying to do what he's supposed to do. Um, unfortunately for him, I mean, to be fair, Villarreal had absolutely just bossed Man United for most of that game. They did not look, um, for a lot of that game, I was still there going, it looks like this team's not even interested. That's saw a bunch of walking around. Yeah. And it, it, you know, just... I don't know if it was because, yeah, it was a rematch of last year's Europa League final. I don't know. It shouldn't have factored in anything, at least not like that. I don't know if it was, but something in some places, you're right. It was just lackadaisical. And with right. everything going on, I wonder why. Yeah, and I mean, then this week, or well, this this weekend, so it's got to make some changes, which is a bit weird because they're going on international break. So it's not like... You could say, oh, we have another Champions League game coming up, so let's give them a little bit of a break. Oh, well, you start Cavani instead of Ronaldo, and you start uh, put Pogba on the bench and start some, you know, McTominay and start Fred, and, you know, let's see how that goes. I still don't know why we have to have the double pivot. We cannot move away from that I, at all. I don't get it either because yeah. I thought, yes, I get with Ronaldo up top, you have that more, you know, one striker, almost like maybe a 4-2-1 or one of 4 3 formation, which I thought he was leaning towards anyway. Solskjaer, I get that. But if you're not going to have him starting, which again, even with the international break, I can understand because you said, hey, he's up there. We're still going to manage his minutes. Fine. But if you're not starting him, wouldn't you necessarily make some tweaks? Because again, especially that midfield and kind of defense has not worked. It hasn't. I don't get it. Yeah, and I mean, it's quite frankly uh, astonishing to me that just they, it doesn't feel like there's any cohesiveness right now. It feels like you're just expecting a bunch of great players to go out there and play and do something. I mean, and credit to... Anthony Marshall, Mar- Marshall for going out there, getting a goal that he really, really needed. I mean, how long have we said, I mean, he doesn't start, not because he doesn't score goals, but where does he fit in mm-hmm. with all, you know, the rest of the squad that you have. And then it's like, you have Cavani, you got to give minutes to, you have Marshall, you got to give minutes to, you got to have Ronaldo now. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, and this doesn't even count. Rashford's still hurt. So what are you going to do when he comes back and Greenwood's there? So, that's going to be a, a headache for Skullsara to do to deal with. But for me, Eric, it's like I just keep seeing, okay, wow, we have a moment of brilliance here by uh, Bruno again. Mm-hmm. And then that's it, right? It's like outside of that, it's, oh, well, let's just take a shot from here and a shot from there. And a, let's see if we can get it. You know, we can get a, a chance for Ronaldo there. And, uh, you know, Ronaldo coming out, what was a midweek and saying, oh, you need to get the ball to me earlier. It's like, well, I mean – I don't I, think that's happening if you can't get it. No, <laughs> and, no. And he's saying, okay, you need to get the ball to him earlier. And I get it, especially the start of the season where you had Fernandez and even Paul Pogba slicing through and playing and creating those moments. That's not happening right now either. So who are you really getting now to get the ball to you? So that way you can try to do something with it. What, well, they're where getting, the they're creativity the has disappeared. They're getting the ball to him. It's just that they don't seem to know what to do when they have to have a lot of possession. If they can't go on the counter, it seems like we can't figure out how to get through this defensive line. So that's what we're doing. And it doesn't always uh, work that day. And when you're when you're a big club like Man United, this is where your manager has to step in and figure out what is the best. I don't think he even knows what his best team is. I Mm-mm. think. He needs to take this time that all these guys are on break and figure this out because the games are going to get tougher. They're going to, we outlined the schedule last week. I don't want to go over it again, but it is a absolute just death trap that, that, you know, think of uh, the, you know, Wally Coyote cartoon 
of the hole opens up and Solskjaer can just fall right through. Exactly. Right. And even outside of the schedule, you've got to figure out what your best team is, who you give minutes to, so you avoid another potential situation like what's going on with Vanderbeek. Yeah. Because you, you you keep hearing, oh, hey, he knows what he needs to do to get minutes and what he's working on. So it's like, what are you really working on it? Is that a plan? He's got something? Because the more and more you hear about it, the more and more it's likely he's out of there. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. When you bring in new players, mm-hmm. some other players are going to take a step back and they're going to be used less because there's only so many spots you have in one team. You have 18. Right out of the rest of the squad that you have, and you're going to add in three players, and Sancho is still not been able to do anything. I wonder if this is a case of he's being played in his wrong position because, again, we always think of – we talked about this with uh, Sergio Des, right? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he had a great game for Barcelona a few weeks ago playing on at left back, but there is a difference when you are a right-sided player and you're used to being a right-sided player. You know what runs you're going to make depending on the side that you're on mm-hmm. and where you're going to start that run and when you, where the angle is you're going to come in. And if you all of a sudden get transferred over to the left side for whatever reason it is that, you know, he has to be played on the wrong side constantly, you know, it, I think it does make a difference. And I still it think really he, does. he doesn't, he seems lost. It's like he doesn't have this, okay, this is what you're doing. This is what we need you to do. This is your position in the team. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that. He gets put on at the same time as Ronaldo. He gets some opportunities. Right? Ronaldo plays with him well, and uh, that last shot that he has is awful. Uh, right to the keeper, just as slow as possible. And that's been a, a theme for him. He just has not, every time you see him come in, it's just not a, you're not ex- expecting him at all it's it's like well he was there he played all right i don't know that he did right and yeah so i don't know if it's up to him but but see this is the problem that i have again is that at one point does the glazers and everybody else that's involved here have to take a look and say yeah solskjaer doesn't ruffle any feathers yeah he doesn't uh cause us any grief but where are we going to get with this exactly and fans, like, I know the two of us we talk about, we notice. Look at how long he's been there. He's had a chance to gel. He's had a chance to get these going. It's been a couple of years. No trophies. Yeah, we're starting to get back to finals and things, but we're coming up empty. At some point, you got to realize, hey, these are the things that we need to do to take the next step. These are the things you need to do as a manager to figure this out to take the next step. If after this season, with all the promise and the hype, there's nothing there, maybe it is time to at least start looking around. Maybe not even this season. I really think that if they don't, if they continue to have these kind of slow burning starts where it's like yeah. everything is, uh, we can't keep a clean sheet, we can't, yeah. you know. Oh, I, I guarantee you, if things are incredibly amiss. Champions League, Premier League, and everything by Christmas, he's gone. That yeah, I, mean, I have no problem with. He's really got to prove it because that's what's a problem. But that's the thing is like he has got to do more on his mm-hmm. end. He cannot just have this be, well, one of my stars is going to bail me out. De Gea is going to block a, a penalty. Um, you know, they were unlucky in the West Ham game. Bruno should have hit that penalty. He didn't. He let the um, Martinez get in his head. Whatever. You know, Ronaldo bailed me out against Villarreal. It's like for they've had a couple of games where they look interested. They look like the Manchester United you expect them to look like, right? Mm-hmm. Newcastle, Ronaldo's debut, which again was more of, oh, we're on the counter, mm-hmm. right? And, and we're, we're getting those goals on the counter, but we're not. When, when they're in possession, there's a little bit of lostness there. And then, of course, Leeds, who plays one way, and that's the only way they play, and that's it. And, Everybody's going to beat them because they don't they don't learn either. No, mistake, right? no. And I don't know. He needs to whether it's figure out a new formation, figure out who his best players are. Obviously, there's a form that's going to take into account the international games and all that, Eric. But it's like I don't know. He's he seems to take chances in the weirdest spots instead of let's figure out 
what I need to do to make this team better. Yeah, let's get back to the basics. It's like, all right, we brought in everybody. This is who we've got. This is where they're best at. Let's build the system. Let's go. And then work from there. It's like, I don't know. Again, maybe there's talks. Maybe there's something preliminary I would hope going on behind this in case. It's going to be an interesting rest of the calendar year. I'll say that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we will have these similar conversations. Uh, when they come back and play again. Because I don't think this is going away anytime soon. I would hope that he would take this time. Uh, you know, because it's like, look at look at your neighbors, right? Look at your neighbors. Mm-hmm. They have gone and look, they don't have a, they don't have a Ronaldo. They don't have uh, a big old a Lukaku. They don't have a Harry Kane. But Pep Guardiola is such a great coach that you could make the argument that they also don't need it. They just have to actually score the chances that they do get. Oh, yeah. But they were, unfor- I mean, they, they happened to Nick win against Chelsea, but they also could have gone the same way it went against PSG and against uh, Liverpool. You know, PSG, they just didn't knock anything down. Liverpool, they did. And, and it, it I mean, they got the draw, right? But it, it wasn't enough. So even then, they still look light years away to where Manchester United is at. And it's, yes, Man City has a deeper player pool to choose from and everything, but it's like it's about the manager yeah, and being able to use those pieces in the best way. Yeah, you're saying, hey, this, like how they did with Jack Grealish. Pep Guardiola's like, I want him. Here's why. We got him. All right, this is what I'm going to do. Move these strings around and everything. Most of the time it works. Sometimes it doesn't, I mean, but it's like, really all right, make tweaks. Grealish is going to have to wind up being another one of those guys that plays the false nine at some point. He's got to learn that. Mm-hmm. I think once he does, that's another weapon that he can just throw out there whenever he wants. Like, it's crazy uh, to look at that for Man City, you know. But yeah. moving away from that, going into more of the American side of things here once again, let's talk about this one first just again so we can talk about something that's not these this heavy – Heavy thing we're going to have to get into after this topic. But the U.S. men's national team squad has been announced now for uh, the World Cup qualifiers that are coming up here against Jamaica, Panama, away, and then at home against Costa Rica. Uh, One change has already been made as Walker Zimmerman had to be brought in uh, for Tim Ream. Um, He has family issues that he has to address, and that is why he is not uh, in the team. But... um, so let's get to this. Uh, let's get to this, Eric. I'm just going to go through this really quick. And okay. then we'll, we'll talk about um, some headlines from this here. So uh, Sean Johnson comes in as a third goalkeeper. Zach Steffen's been getting more uh, playing to Man City lately. So he comes in. Of course, Matt Turner, who's with the league leading uh, New England Revolution over there in MLS. And of course you would still assume that he is the number one goalkeeper until otherwise said to said differently by Greg Berhalter and then defenders. You get 10 of them here. Walker Zimmerman. We already mentioned George Bello, John Brooks, Serginho Dest, Mark McKenzie, Shaq Moore comes back into the team. Chris Richards coming into the team. Now Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, DeAndre Yedlin. So that's, that's your defenders. Kellen Acosta, of course, Tyler Adams, of course, you respect Gianluca Busio back from uh, the last time we saw him at the Gold Cup. Luca de la Torre, who's been playing in the Netherlands. Sebastian Leggett, of course, Weston McKinney back into the squad. Eunice Musa, who is probably my, my favorite inclusion of all this. Christian Roldan, of course, another uh, Greg Verhalter standout. And, of course, the forwards, Brennan Aronson. Paul Areola, Matthew Hoppy, Rick Cardo Pepe, Tim Wea, and Jossi Zardes round out the forwards. What jumps out to you about this team, Eric? Uh, any surprises? I, I can't necessarily say surprises, especially given the unfortunate rash of injuries after last month. I'm looking up top at the forwards in particular. How much is Zardes really going to factor in? I know he's brought in and tried to be like this, you know, big replacement, especially with Pulisic and Reyna both out. Not likely to come back, coming back from injury and because of different travel reasons. But it's one of those that's like, I get 
why Burhalter brought him in, but it's like, okay, what are you really planning to, especially when you got Pepe, which, hey, I would have him as one of my main choices up top, especially for this window, given what happened. So that's kind of what I'm looking at the most and saying, how's this going to work? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. He definitely has some more of his favorites back. I mean, I, I think we all knew the moment Jesse Sardis was back fit, he's going to be back in the squad because he is an absolute dependable favorite guy from Greg Berhalter. And, you, I mean, you can say all you want about you don't like Jesse Sardis, but the dude delivers. Mm-hmm. He has goals. He has assists. The man delivers. He works hard. What else do you want from a guy? Yeah. Uh, that's the key, like you said, Eric, right? How is this all going to work? Are you going to be able to say start a Pepe and his artist together? Or will you have to go a different way? Because we say Brendan Aronson's a forward, but you know he's not going to start him up top. He's going to start no. him, you know, underneath them or right. in an eight or something like that. Like, so they call him a forward, but he's he's really not going to be used as a forward here. And oh, the one that bothers me is, look, I get it. Paul Ariola has speed. But the dude is just an absolute train wreck in front of goal. Like, every time he gets an opportunity, he slips, he overruns it. There were some instances even in the D.C. United Orlando City match. It's like, you hear his name, great, and then... Yeah, it's like, oh, nothing. God. You know, it's like, why? You know, wait till he scores. Look, I get it. You want want veterans. I get that Mm -hmm. he wants veterans and all that stuff. But it's like, Josh Zardes is your veteran there. Mm -hmm. Like, don't bring Ariola in just because you you know him or you trust mm-hmm. him or whatever it's like where in the world do you get off bringing in Paul Ariola but not Jordan Peefle that dude is banging in goals at young boys he scored against did we not just league. see how he Freaking just broke our league. hearts in Champions League come on uh, no I just I don't I don't get it like I just I just maybe there's something to do with the whole the travel or Whatever, but it's like, I just don't understand. Maybe it has to do with COVID uh, regulations or whatever. I just don't get. Um, I, th- I think there is some kind of rule that I was hearing about if you bring in somebody from, a, you know, somebody from a certain region, mm-hmm. they may not be able to play the away game. They can play the home game, but not the, yeah. the, the home game, not the away game. I was game. hearing like, okay, with the travel red list and stuff going on, and that's why if they were more fit, you would have had an issue with Pulisic because of like Panama, what have you. I understand that. But even with P Folk, having him in for at least one of those matches, if not all three, but having him available for one, fine. Yeah, the Panama fine. game to me is where that makes the most sense. But yeah, sure. Yeah. And Matthew Hoppy to me, I'm happy to see him mm-hmm. because he gets a lot of Clint Dency comparisons and I can see it, but I want to see him start up front. And I mean, in the actual striker role, not not to the left or to the right or whatever. I want to see him start up front. I could actually see him and Pepe work well together. I hope he gets that opportunity, but I could see Greg Broholter falling into that same trap like in the Gold Cup where, oh, he's going to start on the left or, you know, whatever. He won't get that opportunity. And I will say Tim Weah has had two really good games for Lille uh, lately. I was going to save this. Uh, for when we talked about Supporters Club because they did play against Marseille this week. But Tim Weah gave an assist to Jonathan David on the second goal, and he had uh, one go off the bar as well. So Tim Weah is coming into a little bit of a form, coming back from the injury. Um, and him and Jonathan David uh, took a picture together. It looked really good, too. Uh, that, hey, doesn't matter. USA, Canada, they're both, they're still uh, can be comrades. Um, another one for me, Luca De La Torre, man. We haven't heard of him in a long time, and he's going to be make you know coming back in uh, here. So interesting to see if how he's going to get used if he gets used at all. I mean, do you, do you see him playing, or do you think he's kind of here along for the ride? I think for this time he's here along for the ride. If he could honestly, especially the way we were like at the back, he kind of gelled and got a little bit more cohesive as the last window closed and i would want to keep that going so that way we're more and more likely to get 
at least one, if not ideally two clean sheets out of these three matches. Because I have a feeling as goal differential starts to set in, that's what we need. But with Burhalter, again, there's always a surprise. Yeah, for sure. And I th- well, I'm really excited to see how he's going to use Yunus Musa. That's the mm-hmm. one that I feel like is such an important player that if he can get Musa in a spot that he can really make a difference, he is someone that is absolutely a big key in Valencia. And I, you know, I get to watch him every week and I really feel like he has been someone that the U.S. have sorely missed. As someone that can create something, that can make things happen. Especially when you don't have a Gio Reyna and a Christian Belusid. It's somebody that you can depend on to do that. I hope that he can use them in a correct role here. Oh, yeah. That's, that's why I'm curious to see how he lines up with these early formations. Because yeah. seeing maybe two up front or... Like, I don't know, something a little bit weirder. You don't necessarily want to nice go 4 4 one, one. Front for one. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if he did the two up front. Yeah. Even, like, you can't even with, I don't know, if you really wanted to be bold or do something along the wings, have something like a nice the three five two or a 3 4 one, two, something. I could see that in the Panama game because mm-hmm. it would be a little more defensive there. Yeah. Playing in Panama, which has been a ridiculous place for that team to play. Um, I really do not want to see them do that against uh, Jamaica or Costa Rica at home. You need to start the best team you possibly can and go after those points. Of Nothing course. Nothing is given. Jamaica now has a much better squad uh, to field than the last go around, and they have to get points mm-hmm. because if they come out of this with no points at all. They're pretty much eliminated. So unless everybody just draws, which I doubt that's going to. So like, you know, and especially with Mexico getting to bring all of their stars, Shuka Lozano, Raul Jimenez is back, all that. Like, you know, Mexico is going to be getting that game against Canada on Thursday. It's going to be one to watch. For sure. That's going to be the highlight of the night. Oh, you know, yeah. We're going to be talking about that U.S. Jamaica game. The one that's going to be everybody's. Gonna ha- be having that water cooler to talk about is Mexico Canada because that's talk about star studded there. That's gonna be really fun uh, to watch. But honestly, like I-, I think you you definitely need to go out and bring the best you can. And I think another interesting one as well before we get off this, Chris Richards. What is he gonna be able to bring? Is he gonna get his opportunity because? It feels like we're starting to kind of have some of these spots wrapped up if mm-hmm. you're um, if you're Greg Berhalter, right? Like, you know Anthony Robinson, the two Robinsons have a spot, right? It's the other two that you still don't know because Sergio Dest, you kind of don't know what you're going to get from him from game to game. He should be the outright right back, but it's not necessarily a guarantee. You know, you, no. you still have Yedlin who... He can't really play a full game anymore. I don't. I don't think. Um, and you have Shaq Moore who gets her brought back in. He hasn't played a lot for his squad, but you know we knew what we got out of him from the Gold Cup. We'll see. You know, does John Brooks get another shot? Or and you know, obviously you're bringing him in, being a veteran presence and everything. But I mean, if he has another one of these string of bad games, th- does he lose that definitive? Okay, this is my second center back i mean chris richards has an opportunity here if he can really make a mark maybe he can really get himself into that that chance but he's also fighting against mark mckenzie who played well against Honduras, and walker zimmerman who's somebody that um Berhalter trusts i mean what do you think eric i mean who are you leading to i mean i see the problem is i would want to give even someone like more like zimmerman more of a chance I mean, yeah, maybe in one or two of these games, you see Richards come off the bench, get a good 30 minutes at center back, try to see different pairings that you have for depth. That way you know the rotation and say, hey, coming to that third match, give a good start to. But Mm -hmm. mm, that's about the best that I can see optimistically. Because if it gets to the point to say, we have a fantastic result to start things out. Oberhalter's like, well, all right. I know I have this 11 pretty much locked in. Now I just need to make the tweaks with the Panama match away. So it really, to me, I'm going to have to wait and see. All right. 
what is he thinking formation wise? Then I can get a better idea. Yeah, speaking of formation wise, it always kind of looks like Weston McKinney doesn't necessarily have a true spot mm-hmm. when it comes to the formation. This is that redemption time, right? You had to miss two games because of whatever it is that you did, you know, whether it was bringing in somebody you shouldn't have brought in or spending a night away from the team or whatnot. Yeah, you got I heard that it was the former of those, but there hasn't been yeah. a whole lot of reports since. So, I mean, do you think Weston McKinney is going to come in and have good games now? I mean, I, I would hope so because honestly, if Weston McKinney comes in and is a basic no show or is just mediocre, I don't know how much longer I would feature him for this cycle. I mean, yeah, you've got after this another little ways before the next window, but as the clock ticks and it's like, okay, I've shown you don't have a whole bunch that you're really going to start offering on the pitch with your behavior off of it. I got to go to someone else. So for this one, for him, it's make or break, at least in my eyes, what I would be doing. I don't feel like it's make or break because if he actually, granted, he hasn't had the best of time so far at, um, Juventus this season, but let's say he does get more opportunities. That's going to be one of those that's difficult for somebody to go out and say, Oh, yeah, sure, he won't play him, whatever. I mean, like, he's one of your stars when you talk about the, the you know, big three or four that are always mentioned for this team. He's he's one, and mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for you to, to sit there and not call him in. I, it's just hard for me to say. I don't. I don't think that he wouldn't get called in the rest of this cycle or whatever. It all depends. But what matters the most is for me. You have to at least get six points. Agreed. Agreed. Out of this cycle, maybe you can lose to Panama. It depends. You know, considering where you're playing that game, but you have to get six points. The two at home against the two worst. Well, the lowest teams in the octagonal right now. You have to go in. And win though. You're not going to get another shot to do that again. Uh, because next time you're playing them, maybe not going to Jamaica is such a terrible place to play, but going to Costa Rica is never easy. You don't want to be facing that uh, challenge, you know. So definitely you you need to get 6.7 is what you're hoping for, really. I mean, obviously you want nine, but that's difficult to say. I, but, think, seven, yeah. I think seven is very reasonable. Yeah, I wouldn't say reasonable. I would say seven is the like lowest goal you could possibly have, right? And then nine is obviously the ultimate. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that's difficult to go and do with uh, Stadio Romel Fernandez. That's that's not easy at all to and and do that. But again, just because the next time we talk about these games, we'll have already talked about one. It actually, but the next time we do a show, just in case. Because I announced this at the end of the show last time is so our show is now recording on Sunday. This is our normal spot. We will do a review of the Thursday game, which is right now it's set for 70, 745 kick. I have to work and don't get off until eleven. So I'm gonna try to watch as much of the game as I possibly can. Um between having a break in there and then, you know, whatever I can do. Um and then We'll record as soon as I get back uh, from work. And then, you know, Sunday, we probably won't record until around around this time, really, because uh, I have to actually get home and watch uh, the game because I'll be at work for the first half and then I'll be driving back from work during the second half. And so, yeah. And then we'll put that out and then do our regular show on Sunday after that. So, yeah, get ready. You're going to have three shows from us coming up next week or this week uh, into next week. And, of course, we'll be talking plenty of U.S. men's national team uh, involved in that as we're going to cover two of those games. So, Eric, uh, we've delayed this long enough. It's also called a tease, folks. Got to do that sometimes. I mean, if, if, you, look, if you look at us on the kickoff, we do deep teases. Come on now. You should yeah, be you don't want to. You don't always want to give everything away at the beginning. But honestly, if you've been paying attention to anything involving American soccer this week, you know this has been covered. This was talked about on NPR on Saturday morning. This was this has been a major thing that has been constantly ongoing. 
Um, it is it is something that even today there's been a change or there's been a decision made. So let's go through this, Eric. I mean, if you're coming into the show and you know nothing about the National Women's Soccer League, much less know anything about the fact that there have been allegations of abuse, both verbally, emotionally, and with sexual coercion involved from male coaches. And this is, you know, I tried to get Rachel to come on the show today, uh, but she has to work on Sundays, and that's difficult for her to be on the show for that. And the biggest thing that, you know, we heard her talk about the last time she was on the show was saying that, you know, she was kind of tired of people of, of the women's soccer fandom and also tired of the women's soccer fandom always going on about how everything has to be women. Women have to run everything in the National Women's yeah. Soccer League. And then you have this happen, Eric, and are these people right? Like, I, Not necessarily, because if it was just the one coach, which has been the focal point, going back to the article with the players released, saying about what happened in the athletic, the latest one to step aside, you look deeper you got Washington Spirit. You got exactly. Louisville. Altogether, there were four different clubs who have had similar situations with male and female coaches gone. And you think about four clubs, that's nearly half of the league as it stands. So not only do you have multiple coaches having to leave because of these allegations and investigations, then the NWSL, in essence, from these reports, doing nothing about it when they were warned. Now, Commissioner Jill Baird, gone. You got their general counsel, Levine, gone. And the, they're saying, okay, now we need to form this executive committee because we're trying to figure out what to do. So there were a lot of people, men and women, who could have prevented this or at least done something serious about it. They all just dropped the ball. So it's not all women she running everything. It's like, no, you should want competent, thorough people running everything. Now, you can say that, well, I say with competent and this and that. I really think so, because how are you going to say you're competent, you're building this league when you allow this to go completely unchecked? That, to me, seems yeah. multiple problems. And no, the bigger thing also is that this is not just this this moment, mm -hmm. right? These are four male coaches that all had previous allegations mm -hmm. against them. And that's what was bad about this. These men have allegations, and I get it. I get all the people, and, and I want I you know, it's just I want to believe in that too, Eric, that you should give someone a second chance, but man. The more and more I see these things, the less and less in life I have come to believe in second chances. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just been more and more, especially when it comes to men that have allegations of abuse. In, in any path of, of life, power. not just coaching, right? Or in power. Yeah. We're, we're not talking about, oh, he just screwed up, got into a bad time in his life, and, and then he needs to... He needs a rebound. You need to give him a job or whatever. This is this is a Paul Riley that had already faced allegations as part of the Portland Thorns. He gets hired by North Carolina. And then what do you know? He goes and does this. And it's like, listen, and not only was he hired by the, the Thorns, he was also hired by the Western New York Flash. I mean, like the dude has just a bad record. Yeah, it's, you talk about second chances, third, fourth chance, yet keep doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is how on earth, and this is with a female commissioner, now granted, commissioners don't always, they're not always the first to hear things, right? They're a mm -hmm. lot of times the way down the ladder of getting to hear something. But either way, it's ridiculous to me to think that this is happening on your watch, right? That you allowed this to happen. And no one did anything about it because there was obviously people that brought this, you know, players that brought this up. And, of course, this was from former players, Sinead Fairley and Mana Shim, saying that Riley tried to get them to have a sexual relationship. 
with each other at, at the pre, uh, Portland Thorns, um, you know, and then that happened in 2015, you know, and it's just like, then you hear that again with mm-hmm. the current group and then verbally and emotionally abusing them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, it's so gross. It's so awful to think of it, women can't just go on the field and play a game that they love. Exactly. And to your point, even about Jill Baird, I get that she came in when the league was already in a rough situation for other reasons now on top of it. And she right. was kind of thrust in and saying, you know, hey, clean up the mess. Wouldn't it behoove you to say, okay, I know about this, this, and this. Is there anything else I need to know about? And they tried going, sending this up the ladder, up the ladder. So even though, yes, she shouldn't have heard it right away, she should have heard it at some point, even when she was coming in, trying to settle things. Because something like this, while it could have been entirely avoided, going back to the Portland Thorns, it could have been at least stopped in the here and now. Yeah, but not getting him a job. Exactly. Yes. This would be zero tolerance. You have any kind of alleged abuse against you. Um, It should be treated the same way you treat people that have... uh, At least, okay, at least when it comes to this type of job, Mm -hmm. where you are in temptation constantly, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It should be treated the same way that you treat a sexual offender Yep. uh, when it comes to minors. Uh, in in just regular daily life, right? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody that has any kind of alleged abuse against women, especially when it involves in the same freaking sport, in the same freaking league, should not get another opportunity in said league, whether no. it's in front office, coaching, any, scouting, anything. Zero. Nothing. Like, why was this even an opportunity? Why did you allow this to happen? Why? Because you don't care enough about the players that are having to deal with that on the front end. like, And if you're a commissioner, right, of this league, that should be a red flag to you. That should be a, whoa, wait a minute, North Carolina Courage. I don't care if you're the league leader. You don't just get to make decisions like that. No. Without, you know, rethinking what's going on there. And look, I get it. Hindsight 2020. We all get to make this decision now. But it's like, or we, we all get to say this now, but it's just like, there was never a, there, it's not a good feeling, right? And no, then, it, it really is. And let's, can... let's go on to Richie Burke, who was the one that was fired on last week, uh, or was it this Tuesday, whichever, by Washington Spirit. He also has previous allegations against them. He, he, alleged, he allegedly uh, uh, verbally abused pl- youth players. I mean... Good Lord, you know, like we're talking about younger kids and then and then yell out homophobic slurs at them. And we're talking about um, Lindsey Horan reporting that Vincetti, um, who was also let go um, by the old rain. And well, he wasn't let go. He was asked to resign. And then the mm-hmm. CEO actually thanked him for his contribution. At that point, the dude shouldn't have contributions. And at that point, he should be stricken from the record that he ever coached the damn team. Yeah, because at this about, point, yeah. if you have someone who you're asking to resign, it's basically, look, we're going to cover your ass the teeny bit to the point to where it's necessary to that. But then all of this other stuff, no. You don't get no thanks for contributions, whatever. It's just, yeah, he's gone. Move yeah, forward. I mean, when you're being accused of body shaming by a prominent U.S. women's national team player, Lindsey Horan, and then he still gets an opportunity to be a coach in the NWSL. Like, listen, you just don't do that. No. Whether you're male or female. No, player, you don't. You shouldn't have to go through that. You know, it's like this stuff no longer needs to be, ah, well, he did it over there. He won't do it here. Yes, he will. If someone does it once, there's a likelihood that they're going to do it twice. And if someone does it twice, you can expect them to do it a third time. That's who they are. That that is. That's exactly who they are. And so glad that Megan Rapinoe had been come out and been able to say, men protecting men who are abusing women, burn it all down, let their heads roll. And that's what happened. Right? I'm forward with you. So now, and you could really argue that this should have been the case from the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
to me, I always feel like it should never just be one person in charge. There should always be some kind of committee. There should be some kind of more people that you have to go through than just the one person that makes a lot of the big decisions. Yes, you should, you're always going to have a commissioner. It's how it works in most sports, especially in American sports. But it was too much for Lisa Baird. Now you have a committee, a committee of an executive committee of three people right now. Um, after Lisa Bear was let go. So it's Amanda Duffy from the Orlando Pride, Angie Long from the city, and Sophie Savage or Savage from the Lorraine. Um, and then they're going to do a global search for a permanent commissioner too. Do you think that this is a way to help the league be able to combat this? Um, now, to, should have noted at the beginning, FIFA and U.S. Soccer Federation are, have launched their own investigations here. Uh, also, there's been an investigation launched into uh, Mr. Riley's what happened with the Portland Thorns again as well, so that you can go through and and study what happened there and then also why in the world he got hired again by two mm-hmm. different NWSL teams. You know, that they're wanting to also do more to be able to prevent this in the future. They're uh, retaining uh, Covington and Burling to make sure that all these investigations are going to happen. Um, and then they're also going to have like an independent reporting uh, company. They've re- uh, partnered with Real Response to let the players, any whether former or current, be able to report, uh, you know, any any kind of abuse, uh, misconduct, anonymous. So, I mean, partner with all that. Do you feel like maybe there is going to be a change here? That there think it- can be something done? I think this is a very great start. Number one, between all of the problems leading up to this that you had with this season, I don't even necessarily know how you sort that out. I think it was great to pause and not have any game weekend to sort this out. Honestly, with something like this in this depth, I'm fairly certain one weekend isn't enough. Now, I know you've got your TV contracts and everything, but you've really got to reinvestigate those too. This is going to be with the overarching issue, personal hiring, abuse, allegations, all of that. That needs to be number one right now. But then when you do sort that out, which is going to take time, I would hope that you get something great in place by the beginning of next season, whenever that is. Okay, Even after that, look at the other much more minor yet wholesale changes you need to make for the benefit of the league, especially now that you have all these prominent investors with the Angel City FC. There's so much in the And if you want more investment from, let's say, international teams or there was, was, uh, you know, Barcelona was going to be involved at one point or another. Like, so... If you want that and you want the lead to keep growing and you want this, uh, hopefully that USL Super League that we talked about last week is watching closely mm-hmm. and taking those same steps now before you even start kicking a ball. Yep. Make sure you have something like this in place because that will happen there too. Absolutely. If you don't try to stop it from the word go. And I I really, uh, I, I feel Alice Morgan's words when she says, you know, there's something in me that feels like maybe we can turn a corner, but you know, like right now she's supremely disappointed and upset by this. And I totally understand why it's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely ridiculous that this even needed to happen. And you know, it's, this has got to be something that needs to be ousted just from, from a society standpoint. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't treat players this way. They're there to do a job. You need to respect that. Yeah. And, for all of this talk, let's remember, you can have as few or as many fans scale your league differently, however you want to accommodate from that perspective. Players are the ones who really make the league. Exactly. If you don't have the players behind you wanting to play for you, that talent, that stardom at any level, your league's just going to be done. Now, for the sake of this season... I'm going to flat out say it. It's wrecked. You had issue even for a championship game, TV stuff like we talked about. That middling, but okay. But for something like this, it's wrecked. I don't know what they're going to do. 
I don't have a solid answer of what they should do. Figure out something like that, but there are some nice steps there that have been taken. Oh yeah, they, a lot of these things are great. I'm not taking away from. Let's what see how that actually do. goes into helping the players from now on, mm-hmm. right? Do we see less of this being reported? Do we see coaches acting in the way they should? Yeah, um, and they're in the players. Everybody, every club. They're not playing this week. Maybe at least give them another week. Have some sort of however you could get together with all the players right now. That yeah. should be while you're doing all of this step one. Reach out to all of them. Get Agreed. their opinions. Know what's going on. And as they mentioned, if there's any other reports or any other things, see how deep this goes. That's got to happen as soon as possible. Then, with all the steps you're taking with the committee, leading the global search, and all these investigations, you can kickstart after that. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. I mean, this is going to be one that I'm sure that we will touch on again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, let's uh, get on to the uh, supporters club here really quick, just because it's how we end the, the show. Uh, what did you uh, feel about your, your two teams? Uh Playing each other. Of course. I was sitting there watching after especially the DC United goal. Ball watching all over the place in that havoc. I'm thinking, all right, this is fitting. Of course they play to a 1-1. And then deep into stoppage time, corner after corner after corner. Then Daryl DK stepping up. I'm just like, Yes, this is how it had to be. Someone had to just excel and someone else had to deeply break my heart. That's how it was. Yeah, you're not kidding. No. I, I was that really is- digging the purple shades, though. I, that was extra nice touch to the celebration. Uh, I mean, DK, um, you know, all the times we talk about him and he comes up big you know, mm-hmm. when it matters to that team because this puts... Uh, it puts Orlando ahead of DC United by two points, and now they're they're in fourth round. That's a positive, uh, definitely. It sucks for you to have to see your team, uh, one of your teams go. I know, uh, and, and especially with the way the DC United just, I can't even say scramble defensively, ball off the bar, then clearance off the line. Yeah. Oh, it was just heartbreaking in that regard. I'm sorry. But, I mean... You know, if you look at uh, Dallas continues to just do, they at least got a draw of Minnesota United, but it saddens me that they just can't score now. So uh, they get rid of Lucha Gonzalez and they they can't score at all. Um, have looked awful. Um, so the coaching change really didn't do a whole lot uh, for the team. I would ex- I would expect them to just continue to do the same. Uh, so hey, at least both your teams look like they could make the playoffs now if uh, they wind up facing each other in the playoffs i'm just gonna be a wreck i don't know if i could go through that again i bet <laughs> i am but uh you know atlanta looks to want to upset that party a little bit they're keeping in touch with montreal new york and dc that's that's going to be a nice uh shuffle for them and you better hope that some of these other teams that are around in that area uh columbus crew and and red bulls don't start getting on a hot and Toronto's starting to to get a little fire and they've got just enough games to try to like sneak in. So this is going to be an interesting last couple of, uh, last couple of weeks left uh, MLS as far as this goes. But yeah, I mean, for me, it was an interesting week. We already talked about Man United, but uh, Marseille lost to be fair. They were, Keeping things close at 1-0 until about the 75th minute. Jamie Sunder uh, gets a really unfortunate red card, second yellow or well, red card. And it's on a, one of those where it's like, you're not supposed to do this, but he was also doing what you're just naturally supposed to do. He was going for the ball. He mm-hmm. kicked it or he just had a high foot. He hit the ball. But the follow-through whacked the defender in the face. Oh. And it, it was one of those that looked worse than it was because he didn't bleed or any of that. But yeah. uh, it's one of those that, like, you know, back in the day, that would not have been uh, a red card or anything. 
but today that is and it's unfortunate because they actually kept it that way until deep in the stoppage time. Uh, Jonathan David, who scored both goals, mind you, um, was able to put it away uh, with that second goal from Timothy Way, of all people. And, you know, cool for Leo to be back. You know, at first we had thought they were not going to be, they were going to be a shot of themselves uh, this season. And they had, look, have been returning to form where PSG just absolutely looks awful uh, in their game. Uh, so, you know, that's something to be said. Uh, Dortmund hold on and win 2-1. No Erling Holland This time they actually do score some goals and look good doing it. There's still the defensive issues again where it's just like, man, you have to wonder where in the world they're going to be able to stop doing this where it's like we just have to outscore everyone. Um, but they look good. I thought they looked good. They had way too many chances that did not convert. You have got to knock some of those in considering how woeful you are defensively. You can't uh, rely on doing that every week. You got to knock those in. Uh, Valencia didn't was nil-nil. Uh, AC Milan, really, that score didn't flatter them because th- they dominated that game for like about 80 minutes. Then they get an unlucky penalty that goes in. And then at the like the 92nd minute, uh, why can't I think of the, the team they played right, right now? Um, but they they made it interesting at the end, Atalanta. But it really shouldn't have been. I it really that should have been like three one or even three nil. Milan looked way better than scoreline would indicate. Um, they looked really really good. Um, without Ibrahimovic again. Um, so I will say, you know, they've been unlucky in Champions League, but in the league, they're they're doing what they need to do, uh, and that's that's when. So. You can't really uh, fault them to do any more in America. America won again. The Vipumas 2-0. One of those like freak goals, Eric, that the goalkeeper goes way too ahead of his line. And, well, he just floats it over him from a long distance. I I mean, if you know that you've got someone in a position where it's like, oh, I can chip the keeper, doink, of course. Yeah, but, and Henry Martin does what he does, just knocking one in off a deflection uh, close to the end of the game has, has been custom for America to do. So, yeah, uh, some ups and downs with my teams there, but for the most part, it is what it is. For yeah, them. I, after one particular match, I have been floating this around. Probably need to talk to you about it, but I might... A bit of a fallen giant that I might have to keep an eye on more in Liga MX, especially after their recent match. Uh, yeah, is, is it the Clasico Tapakino or Tapacano, uh, Chivas and yeah. Atlas. When I talk pure chaos, yeah, I mean <laughs> multiple yellows. Chivas ended with nine, and then there should have been even. More yellows after that when players were being slung to their crown and tackles after that. Oh, boy. That Chivas has not been the Chivas of old for a while now. Especially this season, they have not been. Maybe a little bit of the squid mojo. I follow them and bring them back to some of their older glory. I'm thinking about it. Which you would expect. (laughs) But... Yes, that will be all for this week on Soccer to the Max. Again, should mention, we'll be back on Friday morning, basically, by the time you hear us, uh, for the first of the U.S. Men's National Team games against Jamaica. Then we'll also be doing the Panama game, and then we'll do our regular show, which will be, obviously, international focus. This is international uh, break. And then we'll also have uh, the show on Wednesday, which is that third game against Costa Rica. So you'll get to see us a lot. Hopefully, if you've been enjoying the show, you'll subscribe wherever it is that you listen on the various uh, places you can listen to us on. If you listen to us on podcast, of course, you can watch us on YouTube. You can watch live on Twitch, watch live on Twitter when we're, we go live or on the Facebook page. Um, make sure you go follow us on there. Ring the bell. Of course, we have other things as well, WTM Network, which is what we're part of. Uh, you can go watch Eric's football show, The Kickoff, or Life is Like a Game Show, which is a really fun uh, thing that obviously is a lot more fun to watch. Uh, and we to- promise we won't go off the rails like we did last. Trust me, <laughs> especially if Harry is back, he'll keep us in line. 
And uh, Mark Radlich, of course, does all the entertainment stuff. Uh, you definitely want to go check them out if you have like a movie coming up that you really want to see or a TV show that you've been thinking about watching. They'll give you the lowdown on that. They did a review of season one of Ted Lasso to keep it on soccer terms. You should definitely go check out. We might do a review of Ted Lasso as well on here. It's something I, I've absolutely enjoyed and uh, we need to be talking about it on here. Maybe we'll do a special one on Ted Lasso. You need to watch I'm it. willing to go and find a way to binge if we're doing a special. I can I give you my login Apple Plus. You can go binge it all you want and we, can, we need to mm-hmm. talk about it on the show. But um, for sure, everybody, uh, please please uh, check us out where you can. Let us know what you think. If you like the format of the show, if there's something you think we need to add or something we need to do more of or less of or whatever, let us know. Until you see us again on Friday morning, basically, we'll see you later, everybody. Take care. Peace.